0: <laughs> that means good morning, everyone. I want to ask you a question this morning. Is there anybody here who finds evangelism a little bit scary or intimidating? Talking to people about your faith, talking about people with, about Jesus, it's not easy. I'm an introverted Uh, a quiet-by-nature person who would prefer to do root canal with no Novocaine before I have to talk to a stranger about my faith in Christ. So you say to yourself, how in the world did this girl from Ohio end up in Indonesia? She doesn't want to share her faith. Well, it's kind of a long story, but I'll try to give you a short version of it. You see, and my husband mentioned it, As salvationists, we're called to save and rescue the lost, to bring people to Christ. Well, in Indonesia, which is 95% Muslim, it's really very different. It's a different kind of a place to live. You see, we can't preach outside of our buildings. We cannot talk about Christ on the streets. We cannot advertise in the newspaper, post our programs on the radio. We certainly can't go door to door. We can't even fly a Salvation Army flag at the Salvation Army buildings on our own land. It's against the law, and to do so will put you in prison. So you might say to yourself, how in the world do you bring people to Christ in a place like that? Well, when I was in college, one of the courses that I was required to take involved one of the assignments I had to take for a course was the reading of a biography. And so at that time in my life, I was dating this young man over here, and his name was Jim. So when the list of books came out, like any normal 18-year-old, I chose the book by the name of the person. And so I chose a book about a missionary named Jim. Go figure. This particular missionary had a real passion for God and a passion to reach the lost. Now, it was just an assignment for school, or so I thought. This 17th century missionary, in order for him to be effective in his ministry, had to shave his head now you say well everybody shaves their head these days that's true but in the 17th century shaving your head had a totally different connotation but he didn't shave all of it he only had to shave the top and the sides and back here at the top he had to leave a ponytail and he had to let that grow really long and then he had to dye it a specific color that's how he found he needed to do in order to fit in with the people he wanted to minister to. He also had to give up his nice British wool tweed suits and trade them in for an all-white dress. Not an easy thing for a British man to do. He had to change his diet. He had to change his language. He had to learn a new one. And it wasn't a language that used English letters. He actually had to learn a totally new alphabet, and start over. Now, it took years for this young missionary to reach one convert for Christ. Years before anyone came to faith. But when he died in 1905, James Hudson Taylor left behind him 200 thriving, vibrant churches in the middle of China. Well, I was fascinated by his story, but more than fascinated, I felt a kind of an uh, t- urgency in my own heart that God was speaking to me, and he was saying, Marcia, you've got to get out of your comfort zone. You've got to do something dramatic for me. I need you to, to really minister in my name. And so, putting all my reservations behind me, I said, okay, Lord, I'll be a Salvation Army officer because that's what I thought he meant. Marsha, be a Salvation Army officer, and I want you culturally to change from being this quiet, demure Ohio girl, and I want you to minister in the inner city. But God has a real sense of humor, and just as we get really close to where we think he wants us to be, he moves the goal line. Right? He does that, doesn't he? You're so sure I'm in the will of God. And then suddenly he's over there. So we have to go this way. And once we get over here, he takes us even further. So while I became a Salvation Army officer, and I was faithfully ministering with my husband for 20-plus years, knowing that I was within the center of his will, he said, Marcia, I, I have something else in store for you. I I like what you're doing in the inner city, but how about going to the other side of the world? Because, see, if you go from New York City, which is where we were living at the time, and you go all the way to Southeast Asia, you literally have gone halfway around the world. Any further, and you're coming back the other way. And so that's how we found ourselves on the other side of the world. Now, just maybe there's somebody here who says, she's speaking to me. Well, I'm not. He is. I've got that sense of unsettledness in my spirit. You think God has maybe called you to do something grander, something bigger, something outside of your comfort zone. Does it mean you're going to have to go to the other side of the world? Maybe. Maybe. But more than likely, he's asking you to go to the other side of the street, the other side of the classroom, the other side of the office cubicle. Because you see, making a difference and bringing people to Christ in Oahu is exactly the same as it is in Indonesia. You have to start a conversation with somebody. You just have to make friends with someone. We live on a compound in Indonesia. It's gated, surrounded by a fence that's easily surmountable. It's not there for safety's sake, it just is there. But we do have a nighttime security guard that mans the gate. He's a Muslim man. And when we first got there, everybody from the army said to us, just ignore him, he's there, he's, you know, but he's, he's just not very friendly. He's, he's not very nice but he does a good job on security. And they were right. He was mean. He was nasty. He just had a disposition about him that you didn't want anything to do with him. But I have a husband who has a gift for evangelism. And his Bahasa Indonesian lessons were a complete waste of money. So he can't speak any of the language other than to say, hello, how are you, and how much does it cost? (laughs) But he wanted to win this Muslim man for Christ. But this guy wouldn't even talk to us, he wouldn't look at us. He certainly wasn't going to talk to me, a female. And so Jim came home one night, and as we do over there, one night I cook, one night he cooks, one night I do the dishes, one night he does the dishes, because that's what we do in the evenings. And so I noticed that he was starting to cook a lot more food. And I said, what are you doing, honey? There's just the two of us. He said, no, I'm going to make three meals from now on. Three? There's only two of us. And what he did every night was he took a bowl, and he filled it with, some of what we were having for dinner and took the bowl and the fork and he walked it out to the security gate and he handed it to this young man. Well, the first couple of nights, he wasn't all that impressed. This will be over with soon. Here's another guy come from the other side of the world and he's just out to be nice to me, but it won't last. Well, it's been two years and we're still feeding that security guard every night but that security guard is now carrying our water back and forth and delivering our water for us. That security guard is now opening the gate for me. That security guard is now carrying my grocery bags into the house when I need him to. You see, we've started a conversation. We've opened the door for ministry. Is he saved? Has he accepted Christ? No, I can't tell you that, but i got another year left. That's how you make people come to Christ, is you start a conversation, and you simply introduce them to who you are in Christ, and then they want what you have. Well, many years ago, when we said yes to the mission field, I didn't really think that I had all that much to offer. I don't know anything about growing coffee plantations. I don't know anything about growing cassava. I don't know anything about fishing. I don't really know how to to build. I have no building skills, but the army seems to think that that's a good fit for us, so that's what we're doing. Um, But when we said yes to God, we didn't really think we had much to offer. But what I have come to discover through the years is that when someone says yes to God, He takes the skills and the abilities that they already possess and he anoints them in such a way that they are exactly the skills that are needed to get his work done. The Apostle Paul was a tent maker. Who knew that making tents was an effective skill in evangelizing Europe? Apostle Peter was a fisherman. David was a shepherd. And Moses, he's my favorite one. He was a runaway convict. Whoever you are now is the skills and the ability that God wants to anoint and use for ministry for the kingdom of God. If you can do it here, you can do it somewhere else. And so my challenge to each of you this morning is simple. All you have to do to say to God, God, I'll try. I'll try. And then he will send the empowering Holy Spirit upon you, and success will come your way. When I was a young girl reading a biography about James Hudson Taylor, I had no idea What God had in store for me but now 35 years of ministry as tough as it is and I and I won't lie to you it's tough serving right now in Indonesia as tough as it is I wouldn't trade it because God is anointing the faithfulness that we put into it and he will anoint your faithfulness if you'll simply say Lord I'm available and I will give it a try. God bless you.